Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Excited to be in week five of our series through the book of Philippians. Uh, we've been looking at this context of joy and what that looks like. And uh, man, just excited this morning. If you're taking notes, the title this morning is Under Construction. Under Construction. I don't know about you, but uh, I enjoy hiking. Uh, but you know, what I, you know what I really love uh, and enjoy about hiking? And it's, it's honesty about hiking. So last year, I had the privilege of going to uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, beautiful place. I mean, it was gorgeous. And uh, I noticed something as I was in the airport, and uh, I was walking, and uh, I noticed multiple times stands, like just stands like, like at the end of a counter, and they were selling two different items, and every stand had those items. Here's the crazy thing, is one was bear, a can of bear spray, the other was a can of oxygen. Right? And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I've never been to Wyoming before, I'm a little confused, like... Do you use the bear spray first, and then you run as fast as you can, and if you survive, then you get to use the oxygen because you're tired? Like, I just wasn't sure what the process was, and I was like, this is interesting. I've never been to an airport where they sell bear spray and canned oxygen. And so, I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm not going to ask a lot of questions. It, these, this is for people of Wyoming, and I'm from Ohio, and so I don't get it. And um, in our tr- on our trip, we had the privilege of uh, being able to hike, hike and get to this beautiful viewpoint to see the Grand Teton Mountains. Like, it was, it was beautiful. This is why people come. I mean, the park itself, like the parking lot, like, we're talking the main highway is lined with cars because everybody wants to get there. Everybody wants to see it. So we begin this journey. We begin this hike, and things are going really well. We get about halfway, and there's this stopping point because there's this beautiful waterfall. I mean, it is breathtaking to where you just stop, you pause, you just think of just of how amazing and glorious God is. And there were a number of people, and we're taking pictures, and everybody's like, oh, it's beautiful. And they have some benches there so you can just sit down uh, because it was, a, it was a decent sized hike. Well, there was a, it was a group of about 15 of us. And while we were there at that stopping point, they were like, hey, you can go up even further if you want. There is a beautiful opening to where you can see the top of, of the mountain. Like you can see the snow. It is just gorgeous. So if you want to keep going, go on ahead. And I was like, well, how, how much, how close are we? They're like, you're halfway. I was like, okay, I can do halfway. Uh, the first half wasn't too bad. I survived. Well, there were, out of the 15, there was probably five that stayed back. So there was 10 of us that were like, hey, let's keep going. And so I keep going and I, I, I'm climbing pretty good. I got a backpack. I got some water. I'm like, all right, I'm doing okay. And then there's these people who are descending as we're ascending. And they say this statement. Remember what I said, I love hiking, but I love the honesty of hiking. And so there's this, this couple that's coming this way and we're going this way. And they were like, listen, you'll get, you'll get exactly where you need to be around the next turn. Okay, awesome, right? And so we're climbing up this mountain and uh, it gets really skinny and we're like, okay, that's fall, that you fall off and die there. This, you hang on to the mountain. So I'm hanging on the mountain. And so I come around the turn because they said it's around the next turn and I get around the next turn. You want to know what I see? More mountain. And I was like, are you for real? Like, why would you lie to me? Why would you tell me that? And so, but understanding I had pushed myself to the limits to get around the next turn. I now have a clear realization of why they sell canned oxygen in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. 
because it was in that moment where I realized, what was the elevation we started at? Oh, 7,000. Oh, where are we at now? You're pushing well over 8,000. Aha. Now I have an understanding of why I needed this can of oxygen. Now understand, I was a dummy and I didn't buy any because I was like, why would you pay for something that I can naturally get? And in that moment, I was like, oh, this is why. And so finally, we make the crest, and we turn, and we get to where we want to be, and it was absolutely beautiful. After 15 minutes of me sucking air to try to catch my breath, it was great. But I pushed, and I pushed, and I pushed, and I didn't think I could go any further. And I wonder if life sometimes feels the same way, where you've pushed, and you've pushed, and you've pushed, and you get to a certain point, and when you get to that certain point, you feel like you're going to give up, and it's in that moment where you know you have to go what? Further. And it got me thinking, is life more about an adventure, or is it about an arrival? Is life more about an adventure, is it more about an arrival? Is life about a destination, or is it about a journey? Is life about perfection, or is it about progress? And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of false turns, a lot of false summits where someone said, it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner, right? You're almost there. You're almost there. And you have this, this false sense of security. So for us, one of those was, and I've shared this before, Brie, the reason she has some pipes to be able to sing is because from the time she was born until the time she was about two and a half, that's all she did was scream. Like, she was practicing for the hardcore, like, rah, kind of music. Like, that's just the way she was. And every now and then, you would feel like there was going to be a breakthrough, because she would never sleep. Like, sleeping through the night was not in her, her vocabulary. Crazy enough, now as a teenager, she wants to sleep all day, but, and as a young adult. But as a baby, she didn't want to sleep. But you would have those moments in those days where you're like, this is it. She's going to do it. Like, there's this, we're at the summit. We're at the peak. We've made it. And then all of a sudden, the tooth pops in, and how many know that it's over? And then it's back to the drawing board. And so you feel like in a moment, you, you have this false sense of reality that the, around this corner was it. This was the moment. This was the peak. For those of you who are maybe newlyweds in the room, you're, new, you're, you're recently married, and you're in this honeymoon phase, and you're like, this is the peak. We've arrived. This is it. Like, this is what marriage is all about. I don't know if you hear the chuckle of those who have been married for a little bit more than maybe two, three years, it's because how many know that, that after the honeymoon phase, there's still more to go, right? You haven't arrived. There's still more to learn. There's some more things about marriage. Uh, there's some more frustrations that you are going to walk through. There's, there's a journey in front of you. Or maybe you're at the age where you've retired and you're like, when I retire, I don't know if you, if you look, don't look at your 401k, that's all I'm going to tell you this week. You'll, you'll, you'll get a sense of, I'll never retire. That's how I felt yesterday when I checked and went, ah! But maybe you've hit retirement and you're like, oh, this is it. This is, this is the last turn. This is the peak. This is the mountaintop. And this is going to be glorious. But you wake up one day realizing there's still more to go. You, you haven't arrived. There's still more in your journey. See, a lot of life is full of those false turns, those false, sum, those false summits. It's, life is about recognizing that even though we've come a very large distance, we've covered a lot of ground, there's still more journey in front of us. There's still more journey in front of you. I remember when I was teaching my kids to swim, right? They'd be on the other side of the pool and I would get about halfway and, or a quarter of the way and I'd be like, you can make it, come on. But when they weren't looking, what did you do as a parent? Because I'm sure you did the same thing I did. You backed up a little bit, right? They started swimming, and you're like, oh, they'll never notice. How many know they always notice, right? 
you're like, how'd you end up there? And I'd be like, it was the current. The jet just pushed me, right? But what was I trying to do? As in, hey, I know you can go this far, but I know you can go further, right? So I would scoot back. Why? Because I was pushing them. Because there's more to life. There's more to this journey. What I've realized, and maybe you've realized it too, is this. The further we go, the more we progress, the further we still have to go. Right? The, the, the further we go, the more we progress, the further we have to go. And isn't it the same in our faith? Isn't it the same in our faith? Like, you pray for patience, and then you have a toddler, and then you name them patience, because you know you're going to need a lot of it, right? And so, like, you, you, you feel like you've arrived, like, I have this patience, and then something in life happens, and you realize that, that you don't have all the patience you need, right? Maybe you've been working on your anger, and you're like, I feel like I have this thing where it needs to be. I got this. And then one day someone comes along and they start pushing your buttons. And then you realize in that moment, I still have a way to go. Right? It's like being on the elevator. And you're like, oh, I'm on the seventh floor. And you get on first and you push seven. And then six other people get on the elevator with you and they're like, oh, floor two, floor three, floor four, floor five, four foot. And you're like, for real? Like I had an easy shot to the seventh floor and now I got to stop every single floor. And you realize maybe I don't have this anger thing where I want it. Or, or maybe, maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe there's, a, there's an individual. There's maybe a group of individuals. And maybe you're, it's forgiveness. And you're like, no, I feel like I've done a really good job. I've forgiven. And then you hear their name. And then you start trashing your house. How many know that you have not reached that point of forgiveness? Right? There's still more to come. There's still more in this journey and then you realize that God, what? He's still got some work left to do in you. So the question that we have to wrestle with this morning is, will we ever outgrow that feeling? Right? Will we ever get to the point of following after Jesus where we go, this is it. This is the summit. This is the peak. This, there was one last turn, and I've made it, and now me and God were really great. I don't have to continue to grow in my faith anymore. I've arrived. The answer is no. We should never get to that point in our life because there's always more. God always has something more. I believe that God always has something even greater in our life. And this is what the Apostle Paul is recognizing. He's recognizing that, that there's, there's more to the journey, that it's not just a destination, it's the journey. He's, he's realizing that it's more of an adventure than it is arriving. He's, he's looking at it saying, man, there's, there's, this is more of a progress than it is perfection. And so he writes to the church of Philippi. And he writes to you and to me. It's 12 years, 12 years before writing this letter, he planted this church. Right, so Paul is the planter. He's the pastor of this church and, and he loves this church and he, he fervently wants to see it succeed. And he's writing, where is he writing this letter? We've talked about it. He's in prison, in a Roman prison, strapped to a Roman guard, day and night, and yet he, has, he wants to write this letter while he's hanging out on house arrest. And this is what he says in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all of this. Just hit pause for a minute. Not that I've already obtained. Not that I have arrived. Not that I've achieved all these things. Or have already arrived at what my goal. As in, it was a destination and I've, I've completed the course, I've run the race and here I am, I'm at the finish line. No, it's, it's not that I've obtained this, it's not that I've already arrived at my goal. But what's he say? I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. Understand what Paul is saying. He's saying, I have more to learn. I have, I have, more, I have more faith that I need to 
walk through. I have some areas of my life that, that I still need to make progress in because I'm not perfect. And so I press on. Now understand, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he, he wrote about 31.57% of the New Testament. So about 32% of the New Testament is penned by the Apostle Paul. He planted 14 churches. The Apostle Paul, his name used to be Saul, right? And he's on this Damascus road and he has this encounter and now all of a sudden he's blind. And while he's blind, he goes on this journey and then he, he ends up in this city. And while he's in this city, a, God, a, a man that God had already said, I want you to go talk to Saul, shows up and begins telling him and talking to him about Jesus. And then all of a sudden he's no longer blind. Like he has a pretty amazing testimony. He has an amazing story of what God has done in his life. So this is that same Apostle Paul. It's the guy that, that for his entire life, up until this point, man, he's chasing after. Right? He has this moment. He has this encounter. Now understand, from the encounter of his salvation with Jesus until this point in the letter is a little over 30 years. Right? So 30 years have passed. And Paul is, is writing this letter saying, listen, I haven't arrived. I haven't obtained. There is still more in this life for me to be able to chase after, to run after. I'm still on the journey. What's Paul trying to tell us this morning? It's not about arriving. It's about an adventure with Jesus. It's not about arriving. Like, hey, I just show up and that's it. No, it's about a constant, consistent adventure every day following after Jesus. It's not that he's arrived on this side of heaven. right? Because one day perfection will, will, will begin when we enter into his kingdom. But it's not that he's arrived here on this side of heaven. But he's on a daily basis walking out his faith. I'm chasing, I'm dreaming, I'm going after who Jesus is. In light of that, I love Paul's tenacity that after 30 years of walking and worshiping and, and surrendering and planting churches and building people and speaking life into people, he realizes that he hasn't obtained all of it. I press on in the Greek, it's, it's one word and it means to fervently chase, Right? So it's, even though it's only one word, it, it's described as I fervently chase. I'm going after it with all my might. As in, if I'm not dead, God's not done. Right? If there's more for me because I'm still drawing breath, and will I fervently chase after all that God has for me? So the, the point I want to circle around this morning is this. It's the reality that the life of faith is more about embracing a journey than arriving at a destination. It's, it's about embracing a journey more than arriving at a destination. The question that I kept wrestling with as I was working on this message this week was, was man, Paul, how were you able to press on? Right? How did you do it? Why was this your anthem? Right? Why was this your song? Right? When things got tough, why was, you know, why was the Rocky music in your, in your ears? Right? Like, and you just kept going. Why were you able to continue to move forward? How, what gave you the ability to press on? How did you get through this? What was your mindset? After everything you had experienced, why did you continue to go on? Why did you move forward? And everything in me, when I get to those, like when I got to that turn, one last turn and I made that turn, that was the moment where I go, what's well, not here, I wanna quit. Right, you get to that false summit, you get that false hope. And maybe you relate to that, you're like, oh yeah, I've wanted to quit many times, but, but hopefully you're like Paul and you continue to press on. Paul was able to do that because of this. He was able to press on and to make it his own because Jesus Christ had made him his own. Did you hear that? He was able to press on into who he was in Christ because Jesus Christ had already made him his own. 
And that's the invitation that God is giving to us. We can press on. We can continue. We can chase after Jesus every day, not hoping that one day we're going to catch him, but that every day he already holds us. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we're not trying to, like, catch him. Like, this isn't hide and seek. He already is holding us together, but it's because he's holding us together that we can press on. We can continue chase after him. If anybody, if anybody understands this, it should be people from Ohio. I'm serious. Drive to Akron right now. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? We have two seasons in Ohio, winter and road construction. That's it. That's all we got. And it's like an ongoing occurrence. There's, it all, doesn't it always seem like there's something under construction? Like, oh, let's, and how about this? I'm not blaming, I'm not casting any judgment. I'm just wondering the person who sits at a desk that thought it was a great idea to shut down or work on every major highway all at the same time. Like, oh, 76, let's do that. 77, let's that. Route 8, let's do them all together, kids. And it's like, who, I don't know. But we understand that, that, that there's always a what? A work in progress. You and I are always under construction. We're always under construction. We haven't arrived. There is more work to be done when it comes to our faith, when it comes to following after Jesus. We haven't arrived. We haven't made it. There's still more growing. There's still more moving. God is still changing us. God is still challenging us, and he's still wanting us to grow in our faith. And it's in, that, in these moments where, where we have to get to this realization. Do I, do I want to continue like Paul continued, or do I want to tap out? Do I want to tap out? As in, that's it. I surrender. I quit. I don't want to keep going. I've had enough. And so that's my challenge to you this morning. Do you want to press on? Do you want to keep going, or do you want to tap out? Because the future belongs to those people who have not arrived. Because God is good. He's still holding you. And there's still more for you in your future that he has for you. So the question becomes is how do we live out this journey? Right? If we know it's not a destination, it's not about the arrival, it's a journey. How do we live out this journey? Paul gives us some idea of how we can do that in Philippians 3 verse 13. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining forward to what is ahead. Paul is saying, listen, it is impossible to press on. It is impossible to chase after Jesus with everything that we have from living in our past. It's impossible. You can't move forward because here's what happens is your past becomes an anchor that holds you down from God's best. And so we want to chase, we want to run, but we feel like we're in concrete, like our boots are literally in concrete. But Paul is saying, listen, you have to forget that past. You have to be willing to, what, have this transformation, this renewing of your mind. Because if, if we're living with our life focused on what is behind us, we will never grow with what's in front of us. Right? If we're always looking in the rearview mirror, if we're always turning around and seeing what's behind us, we're going to forget what's in front of us and what's God's very best for us. See, the enemy of our, our souls has, has some plans for our past. He wants our past to define us. As in, you are the sum of, of all of the mistakes that you have made. You see that anchor that holds you down, it's your past, it's, it's who you are. You let your mind relax a little bit, and, and then you begin thinking about the decisions you've made. Maybe the poor choices, maybe the sinful actions that you've done. And it's in that moment where you're like, well, this is now who I am. And you have to learn to separate your who from your do. But remember who is giving that statement. One thing I do, I forget what is behind me. 
Now understand, remember we're talking about Paul, right? Who, who penned 32% of the, of the New Testament. But remember I told you his name was not always Paul, it was Saul. Do you know what his job was? Do you know what he was, he was commissioned to do when he had the Damascus Road experience? He was on his way to persecute Christians. This is a gentleman who at the stoning of Stephen, right? He's, he's holding coats. Like, oh no, I got this. And he would watch people who would, who would claim their faith in Jesus be brutally murdered and cheerlead it on. That's the Apostle Paul. So when he's saying, I have to forget what is behind me because one day I'm going to stand at the church of Philippi. I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to have to stand in front of people and I'm going to have to encourage them. Listen, you need to forget what is behind you because your past is going to hold you down like an anchor. But I don't want it to define you. I want you, I want you to push through the same way what? That I'm pushing through. So he's giving us a little bit of hope. So the enemy has a design for our past, but how many know the good shepherd has a design for your past as well? You see, the enemy's plans for your past is that it would define you. Jesus' plan for your past is that it would refine you. There's a difference between definition and refinement. One is this is who I'm always going to be. Like if you turn in Daniel, Daniel's you know, Webster's Dictionary and you begin penning through and flipping through the pages, you see definitions When it comes to our past, that's not a definition. That's an opportunity for refinement. You see, the enemy, the enemy of our past wants you to live in that past, but the good shepherd wants you to learn from your past. Right? You don't have to continually make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again because there is a learning curve. How many know as you mature, you do things differently? Well, at least hopefully you do things differently. You learn a few things. Right, I mentioned, what was it, last week or maybe two weeks ago, like when I travel and my computer bag is like a safety kit for all. <laughs> Why? Because I've learned from my past. Because I realize I go places, things happen, and I'm like, oh, I don't have any of that. And so now I plan because I've learned. And hopefully you're learning from your past. And you're making those, those changes necessary because you don't want to remain there. But for j- just a moment, I want to pause. And I don't know if I've ever done this. But I just want to pause. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Maybe you're here this morning. Paul says that you need to what? Forget. You need to, you need to not keep looking in the rearview mirror. And I wonder this morning, is someone watching online or someone in person this morning, your forward progress in your faith has become stagnant because of a lack of forgiveness. You're stuck. You're stuck. And so right now, Here's what I want you to do. If you're, if you're on the chat this morning, you're watching online, or you're in the room this morning in person, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to pray right now. Is that okay? I know we're not at the end of the message, so typically you pray at the end, you give this challenge. Here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes for a moment. I just want to pray. If you're online, give a little thumbs up. If you're in the room this morning, and that's, that's you, you're like, man, I'm, tr- I'm having trouble forgiving anyone, and it's holding me back from God's best in my life. If that's you, would you just you don't have to raise it all the way up for everybody to open their eyes and peek. But, but if that's you, could you just lift your hand up so I could pray with you this morning? Heavenly Father, you see every hand and every heart. And Lord, I pray, I know that you have a great future for each and every one of us. I think about in, in Jeremiah 29, you have plans for us, a future for us, a hope, a glory for pro, to prosper us and to bless us and, and to move us forward in following after you. But God, sometimes, sometimes the hurt and the pain is too much and it leaves us anchored and it leaves us stuck 
God, I pray this morning that you would give a breakthrough to each and every individual watching online and in person this morning that feels like they're, they're unable to forgive. God, I pray that through your spirit this morning, they find freedom and wholeness in you. God, that there would be a release by your spirit into their spirit. There would be a breaking this morning of a chain of unforgiveness. God, that forgiveness would be possible, not because they're able to, but because your spirit is willing and able to. So God, do a work that only you can do this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, Paul gives us an invitation of this forgetting. Now understand, it's, it's an active forgetting. It's when, this, when a situation or a name pops up in your mind, you're going, oh, I'm going to forgive them again. Right? It's active. It's not just, I'm going to do this once. No, it's a, it's a constant. I'm going to continue to forgive. When I hear, when I see, when I think about them, I will continue to forgive. I will press on towards him. Because the enemy wants to define you by your past, but Jesus wants to refine you from your past. Paul continues on. He says one thing. What's he do? He forgets what lies behind. And then this next word, he says he strains forward to what lies ahead. This straining in the Greek is summarized by reaching, reaching or stretching towards a goal with all of one's might. It lets me know that Christianity is not a walk in the park. It's a stretch to the finish line. It's not a walk in the park. If you signed up for a walk in the park, that you were at the wrong event this morning. Because <laughs> it's not going to be. I, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you once, you once you start following after Jesus, everything in your life, it's like the puzzle, just every piece, just falling together. The pieces do fall together, but there is a strain. There is a stretch. There are seasons. There are moments that you have to push forward. You, it will be a strain. It will be taxing, but I know you can do it. And I relate to this so much. You see, back, back a few years ago, I say a few years ago, my wife reminded me it was like 30 years ago. I used to be a runner. I know that you can tell I haven't ran in quite some time. Uh, the only thing I chase now is Krispy Kreme donuts. You're welcome. Um, but I was a runner, and I was actually a decent cross-country runner, and I lettered all four years from freshman to senior year. I was the captain. That was great. Uh, and this is not a brag, but there was a race so we would run in midweek, and then we'd go to these big invitationals on the weekends. So if, you, if you're known a runner, you ran yourself, you'd, you'd go to these huge invitationals with all these schools. And um, So we're at this big invitational, and we did horrible. Uh, the reason we did horrible is there was a number of my teammates, me not one, um, but there was a number of our teammates who thought it was a good idea to get intoxicated Friday night before the big race, and then they all showed up sick. And um, so they ran very poorly. And so our coach decided that this would be a week because we didn't have any midweek race, that this would be the week for payback. Because as a coach, you have that opportunity. And so um, from the town I grew up in in North Ridgeville, about 45 minutes from here, our high school sat here, and then where we would practice at um, was about a mile jog. So it was a park called South Central Park. It wasn't L.A., but South Central Park. And so we would, we would have to leave the high school and jog, right, down the street, and we'd get to the park, and that's where we did our practice, right? The, the terrain was a little bit more sufficient for what we needed to do. And so we get to the park. I mean, it's a good, easy jog. It's a warm-up, and then you do your stretching. And the coach looks at us, and he's like, hey, um, we, practice is going to be a little bit different today. Oh, a little bit different How? He's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start off with six 800s. Now, understand, an 800 is a half a mile, right? So six of them would be three miles. And I was like, okay, we can do this. We got this. He goes, oh, by the way, he's like, it, it seemed like all of you wanted to quit on Saturday morning, so today there will be no quitting. He goes, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to run these 800s, but they're going to be timed. And for every one that you miss with timing, you'll do another one. Oh, 
Perfect. Now understand he was teaching a team concept because I can run an 800, but the slowest guy on our team, I was like, what's the time? And as soon as I heard the time, I was like, sweet Jesus, (laughs) we're going to be here all day. It was my senior year, and I'm like, this is going to end poorly. And so all of a sudden, yep, we start, and we get to another, and we do another. We ended up doing eight 800s, all timed. And I was like, okay, we, just did, we did a mile jog here, just ran, ran, not jogged. We had to run, okay, two laps around the park to get these 800s. And now that's four miles plus the one mile. We're at five miles. And so I'm like, okay, whew, we're done. He goes, oh, no, now we're going to do 12 400s. I was like, there's no way. I don't have enough, another three miles in me. He's like, oh, by the way, we're going to use the hill. So understanding in the city of North Ridgeville, there's one hill, and it's the sledding hill that everybody goes to. He's like, You're, we're going to add the hill up, down, a part of your 400. Oh, and they'll be timed. I was like, dude, if I could, I would punch a coach. It's unacceptable, but I'm going to choke this dude out, right? Now understand, our coach, our coach like was, it, was in the Kenny Championship in like across the country his senior year in high school because he, like he, was, he was a runner. And I'm like, this, is, this guy's lost his mind. So first one, he's like, okay, let's get up. It's timed. We get four of them done. No joke. After like the third and fourth one, I literally would cross the line and fall to my face and go, and I couldn't breathe. And he'd count. He'd go, okay, you got a minute. And he'd start his step watch. And he'd be like, here you go. Now he was a nice guy. He ended up being somewhat nice. He goes, here's the deal. If you can run the fifth one, and make it your fastest, we won't have to do any more. Oh, I'm going to be nice again. If you can run the sixth one, your fastest, because you failed on your fifth one, then we'll be done. And he kept doing that. Now, he did extend the time. And finally, about, I think, it, I, if memory serves me correct, we did about eight. And finally, we finished. And he was like, hey, gentlemen, that was a really, really, really good practice, man. Well done. You've put in about eight miles already. Wonderful. That's awesome. Now get up and run back to the high school. That was the worst mile that I have ever run in my entire life. I had nothing left in my tank. And so sure enough, I get back to the high school and how many know there's not enough ice to put on my body and then I wake up the next day and I'm miserable. But here's what I did is I strained and I stretched and I pushed myself and I completed the tasks that were at hand. And I share all that story to to ask you this. Are you willing to push yourself and strain yourself with that same type of passion for the cause of Christ? That if he asks you to do an extra half mile, if he asks you to do another mile, will you go too? Will you have that type of faith, that type of audacious faith, those bold prayers, that type of passion that you will strain, that you will stretch, that you are willing to press on towards the goal? The woman, at the, the, the woman with the issue of blood, there's a crowd and she can't get through. What does she do? She pushes on. She presses on to receive her healing. But I wonder how many of us would quit and say, it's, not, it's just too much. Jesus is five feet from me, but I can't go any further. I wonder if he's asking you this morning, would you stretch? Would you strain? Would you go just a little bit further? Would you press on? Would you push in? And would you continue on in the faith? because we're constantly growing in our faith. But how does Paul stretch? How does Paul press on? He gives us an idea in verse 14. He says, I press on toward what? Toward the goal. You see, there's a goal. There's, an end, there's a destination here. He says, I'm gonna push on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
He said earlier on in Philippians chapter 3, he's saying, listen, everything in this life is garbage. He's like, everything, everything that I see is rubbish, is garbage, is trash, compared to knowing Jesus intimately and personally. Everything else is rubbish. He wasn't saying in this verse, Jesus isn't the means to an end, Jesus is the end. It's not, well, I have to accept Jesus in order to get to heaven. No, Jesus is, he is the end. He is the author, the finisher of our faith. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. And so we chase after because there is a prize that is eternal. There is an eternal reward that waits for all of us. Do we have that in our life to press on, to push in? Do we have a desire to know him at such a deep level that that the very core of our being longs to be with him? That apart from him, we realize that this life is rubbish, it's trash, it's nothing. It's like a vapor, right? Do we see and settle into who he is and what he has for us? But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says, listen, this journey is going to look look a little bit different and you may play a part in this journey because in verse 17 he says join together and following my example brothers and sisters and just as you have us as a model keep your eyes on those who live as we do he's given an invitation to you and to me that along this journey along along this this path while you're running this race you're gonna have to press on you're gonna have to 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 move a little bit and you're going to have to make some progression but understand there's going to be others with you that are in the same boat that are fervently chasing after Jesus as well he's talking about you and me he's talking about community he's talking about the church you see the church and the community of faith isn't just a good idea it's a God idea He's created in a way, because there are going to be moments, there are going to be seasons in your life where you feel like giving up. You don't want to press on. You don't want to keep moving. And then there's going to be a a wonderful person who you have in community who's going to come alongside you and say, you got this. You can continue to move forward. And I'm here with you. But that's what happens in community. We begin to imitate the lives of others. You see, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.11, he says what? Follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, listen, you can, you can head this direction with me because, because I'm going to work this out. I'm going to press on. And are you willing to do the same? You see, we have this community, this fellowship, and understand that there's a way to imitate because there are people in here who have pressed on. Do you know this morning that you are surrounded by people who have walked through some pretty crazy things in their life? And they've made it. They've pressed on, and they continue to press on. They're there so we can sit down with them one day and ask questions like, how did you do it? Right, how do you, how do you, become, how do you become a father? Like when, I mean, I know how you become a father, but how do you become a great father? Because you, because you have six kids, and they're all following after Jesus, and man, you've, you, how? Because they're all adults and they've moved out of your home, but I'm just starting. And you can sit down and say, how did you do it? Maybe you're a newlywed and you find somebody who's been married 50, 60 years and you're like, how did you do it? How did you put up? How did you move forward? And they're gonna say, they're gonna give you some strengths. They're gonna give you some tips. 
because they can, what they're saying is, you can imitate what I've done. You don't have to figure it out yourself, but you can, you can learn from others. If you're willing to dial in, if you're willing to settle in and ask some questions, like, man, how, how can I be the best wife? How can I be the best mom? And there are multiple people all around you who are saying, this is what the journey looks like. Imitate me, follow after me. Can I just say something to the younger generation watching online and in the room this morning? And this isn't to be harsh, this isn't to, to downplay, but I would encourage you to do me a favor. Before you Google the answer to something, ask someone. Just ask someone. Google's wonderful. I love that at the, we can just ask a question, you get you know, 4.2 trillion answers in like 6.2 seconds. That's awesome, I love it. But do you know what Google can't answer? The journey that someone else has already lived. You wanna know what it's like to walk in the shoes you're currently wearing? Ask somebody who's already worn them. Just take a moment and just say, hey, can I ask you a few questions? Offer to buy somebody coffee, take them out for breakfast, lunch, whatever it would be, and just ask the question and see how they've done it, then Google. But ask the question first, because there are people who've walked through it, who are on this journey, who have pressed through. Here's what I know as a parent. I'm always humbled by the fact that whether um, I choose to be imitated or not, I'm being imitated. Whether I choose it or not, my children are looking at me. And the same is for our faith. Whether you choose to be imitated or not, people are watching. And can they say, man, I'm gonna follow Jesus the way they're following Jesus. As I close this morning, I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I just wanna give you a, an opportunity to respond to the message I'm gonna share a story and then I'm gonna ask just one simple question, two actually. But it was July 4th, 1952. Florence Chadwick had already, she already swam the English Channel. She's, she's a, a, an endurance swimmer by nature. But she goes on to another challenge. She gets in the water off Catalina Island and She's gonna swim from the island to the California coast and the water's cold, it's foggy. She can barely see the boats that are navigating her journey. She'd been in the water for 15 hours and her coach that's with her says, listen, keep going, keep going. And she would look up and she couldn't see anything because the fog was so thick and so she quit. There was a reason the coach was telling her to keep going because she was only one mile from her goal. But because she couldn't see, she gave up. She couldn't see the prize. She couldn't see the destination. She couldn't see the land that was right there in front of her because the fog was too thick. And many times I think we fail. We falter. We miss the mark because, because we're afraid. Maybe there's peer pressure or, or there's something that that is a distraction in our life that, that entices us to lose sight of the goal. And Paul said, I press toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Two months after that failure, Florence Chadwick walked off the same beach into the same channel and swam, and swam that distance 
And not only did she swim it, she set a new speed record because she could see the land clearly. And I'm just wondering, can you see Jesus clearly? Because I think you have more in your tank. But life, distractions, sin, they cloud our vision. So this morning, I'm going to ask two questions. The first is this. If, if you're here, you're watching online, you're here in the room, and you'd say, man, I don't, I, you're talking about this pressing on towards this goal, and it's eternal, and it's this life with Jesus. Man, I don't, I don't have this life with Jesus, but I want a life with Jesus. I want a relationship with the Savior. I want him to be Lord of my life. If that's you, if no one I'm looking around, would you just raise your hand toward heaven? Because I want to pray with you this morning. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. Here's the second question I'm going to ask. Maybe you find yourself in a season where you feel anchored, you feel stuck. Someone told you that that around the next turn, you're going to arrive. And you feel like you've gotten to the next turn over and over and over again. And you don't know if you have enough in your tank. You don't know if you have enough perseverance, enough faith, enough boldness to continue to stretch, as Paul says, to to stretch or to lean into. And you just feel like, man, I I don't know if I, I don't want to give up. I I want extra power. That power is available. That strength is available through the Holy Spirit. And if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, I, I, want, I, I, need that, I need that extra power. In the book of Acts, when it says, you shall receive power, you shall receive dunamis, that, that dynamite. You shall have that type of power in your life. If that's you, would you just leave your hand up as I pray this morning? God, I pray, Lord, for every hand that is lifted, Lord, this morning that you would infuse them with your life-giving power of your Holy Spirit, of your presence, of your perseverance. When they feel like giving up, I pray, Lord, that they would lean in, that they would press on, as Paul has encouraged us to do, that we'll forget what lies behind us, but we will strain, we will stretch, and we will continue to chase after you with a passion. But God, that, that that in filling, that passion is going to come from you. So God, anytime we feel like giving up, Lord, may you raise up that standard. May you raise the bar in our life that we, we could go another step, another half mile, another mile, because it's not a destination, it's a journey. And we want to be faithful in the journey. We will never reach perfection this side of heaven, but God, we can continually make progress each and every day as we follow after you. So God, help us to be more like you. Help us to be what you've called us to be. Help us to press on toward the goal in you and through you.